Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. On today's show, we're going to explore how YouTube recommends videos, YouTube analytics updates, and a lot more with Diana Gladney. If you want to understand how to benefit from these YouTube changes, then be sure to stick around. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm Michael Stelzner, and this is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Hey, newsflash, social organic is not dead. And I've got an exciting announcement. We've got our organic track ready to show you for Social Media Marketing World. When you come, you'll discover how to do the latest and greatest organic marketing on all the major social platforms from top experts like Mari Smith, Vanessa Lau, and Nikki Saunders, and many, many more. Grab your all-access ticket today at socialmediamarketing.world and get a lot more mileage out of your organic social marketing. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for this week's guest, who is also speaking at Social Media Marketing World, Diana Gladney is a YouTube expert and consultant. Her YouTube channel is designed to help entrepreneurs simplify the video creative process, and she's host of the Video Simplified Podcast. Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be here. So we've got a lot of news to talk about on the YouTube front, and I think the biggest thing that we're going to lead with today is really the YouTube algorithm, the YouTube recommendation system in particular, the recommendation system. So my understanding is that the recommendation system is not what comes in search. It's more what you see when you hit the homepage of YouTube and it's what you see after you're done watching a video. Am I right that that's what the recommendation system is? That's right. And that can yield massive views for your video if you can figure this stuff out. Am I right or am I wrong on that? No, you're 100% correct on that. So what has YouTube told us? What are the elements that kind of power the recommendation system? And then which ones are the ones that maybe we should try to focus in on a little bit? What are your thoughts? 
For sure. So the way that the recommended, you'll hear this shared and the verbiage around that is related, suggested, and then up next. And that up next panel is going to be, let's say you're watching this particular video Well, along the right hand side, you'll see the up next portion of what YouTube is recommending based on you're watching this. Uh, really important metrics like the amount of watch time that you're giving a dedicated video, the engagement. So whether you like or dislike it, those things are really important as to whether or not they're going to suggest something else to you along those similar paths. You keep watching consistently. Your history on YouTube now is going to curate that experience even more to really suggest to you other content based on what you've engaged with and what you've watched a tremendous amount of so that they know what to share more to you. So according to the data that they revealed, first of all, this isn't in any particular order, but they said clicks, which means obviously you're clicking on the video watch time, right? Which is how long are you watching a video and probably which videos are you watching? Survey responses, sharing, likes and dislikes. Now on the sharing side of this, it's not like Facebook. So I would imagine it's just them sharing the button. Is that what they mean by sharing? Like how do they even track sharing? So sharing is going to be comprised of a few different things, and that is mostly going to come from that share button. And that's whether it's somebody sharing it off platform, whether you're sharing it to the community tab or vice versa, someone else is sharing that. You have new things like uh, your stories on YouTube. You now have the ability to share through that and have a recommended video, and it doesn't just have to be yours. So a lot of different things. And then also, like, you can embed your videos. That's considered a form of sharing where somebody is now watching that content and still will get the recommendation recommended related and potentially can come back to the platform based on that. Now in the olden days, it was very much about clicks, right? And it was very mm -hmm. much about who got clicks and probably thumbs up and stuff. But now watch time seems to be far more important and does survey and so does survey responses. So maybe share a little bit about what we need to understand about watch time and why that's so important, because I would imagine a high number of views on a video, but a very low watch time is probably not a good metric, right? Yeah, if a ton of people, like you have to think about the overall social behavior that someone is taking, though, they will put something in search usually to initiate that, or maybe it's shared in this instance. But however you get to the video, you get to the video and now you have to consume it. How much of that video that you watch matters to YouTube because someone just clicking, it could have been an accident or even sometimes a watch can get triggered by somebody seeing like a little bit of a preview if you have that feature turned on your system. Oh, okay. So if, the, if you can watch this while you're scrolling through, and if you watch long enough and it continues to play, even with no sound, that will contribute as a watch. So the watch time is important because that is one of those elements that you can't fake. You can't fake being actually there or clicking on it, letting it play to get through the point. Think about the other human metrics that go into like or dislike and other stuff that kind of takes you along that path. That's why it's really, really important. On the watch, they have a metric. I think it's called average view duration or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. which kind of indicates a good amount of watch time. Do you have any sense of what is good? And I know it's highly variable based on how long the video is, but have you got a metric that you look at when it comes to your videos or the videos of your clients as far as what is good? What's your thoughts on that? 100%. I literally just talked about this on my channel. And so when you think about the watch time, the average time somebody is actually consuming that video, the goal that I always teach and share is that at least 50% by the time you get to the end. If you're, once you get a handle on this, let's stretch to about 70% overall. Again, that's the goal, at least starting at 50%, because what you'll notice is that a lot of people make the mistake of within that first five to eight seconds, really about 15 if you're pushing it. But within the first 30 seconds, YouTube is going to say, and quantify that as the intro, 
But you'll see if you're taking a nosedive at the beginning, you're screwed. You attracted a bunch of people, but you didn't get them to continue to watch because somewhere in the beginning it dropped off. So that graph that they're showing you of the progressive process of somebody clicking forward, skipping back, leaving the video, continuously watching it through, ultimately puts together the average view duration and they'll share that metric across most of your videos. So that's it's really important when you think about that because that is the human behavior somebody literally watching your content, not some generic number that you heard, but literally what your people are doing. And that lets you make changes so that you can improve for your content and your audience and the people that you're drawing. Does that mean 50% average view duration is a goal? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, at least 50%. That's the goal. And you, it could be a little bit lower on some videos or whatever, but you'll notice because they'll give you quantifiers of if it's a spike and you see it kind of raised up, then you'll see people are specifically going to that timestamp. So something like channel chapters that's available where you put a timestamp of like from zero to the end of the video or what have you. And that will put like a, a marker on the video. So if someone clicks there, then you'll specifically know that attracted people or they're scrolling to that point. If you see a dip down, then that means people are leaving the video or they could be skipping ahead, but they're usually leaving the video. So those metrics really help you to know. So if you see at about two minutes of all of your videos, look for like a, a behavior or a pattern, or it could be something that you're saying that's wasting time that you can really start to omit, make changes to get a higher average view duration. For the next time you make a video? Is that what you're referring to? Mm -hmm. Got it. And then talk to us briefly about the, the survey responses and kind of how that works, because maybe people don't understand that. Yeah. So this is really important to YouTube. And I think it should be important to marketers as a whole, any kind of content creator, really. When you, someone is done watching a video, what happens is YouTube now will say that like, you watch this and you got to the end, maybe you engaged with it and hit the like button. They'll ask you now, what did you really think of this video? It's about five smiley faces from like sad, uh, neutral, and then you go all the way up to very happy. If you click on those latter two, like the fourth or the fifth smiley face, they're going to ask you based on like, it seems in my Estimation that you see informational based responses and emotional based responses. Was it informative? Was it informational? Was it something that made you feel excited or inspired and things like that? And so you'll have about, I guess, about five or seven boxes. If you click on the latter half, which thankfully I haven't yet, but it's more or less, I would imagine those same two type categories of, of questions to see you watched it, you consumed it, and yeah, you liked it. Hell, you even maybe shared it, but what did it make you feel and why did you care about it essentially? Yeah. And this is important because this is not just an algorithm actually analyzing whether if you watch the video, this is them surveying, how did it make you feel? Yep. And my understanding from what I've heard from a lot of big creators when we were at a, a YouTube conference was that you really want to make people feel good after they've watched the video. If you can do that, there is an upside reward. That's my understanding. And I 100% agree with that because even with marketers, you essentially have content that's maybe based around your business in some respect or promoting something. So informational content is just like, oh, well, yeah, I was informed. No, it should be, I think, always like a pain reliever type of emotion. Like ibuprofen is not like sexy, but at the same time, it makes you feel great when it just relieved the pain point for you. So same thing with your content. What is it relieving the stress of for somebody or allowing them to do? When you take that kind of approach to why you're producing the video and by the time they get to the end, what it should do for them, then at that point, I think you'll start to see more emotional, positively emotional triggers when people get these surveys. Two more pieces of information related to the algorithm. The first one is that tags have been confirmed to be not important by YouTube. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like we shouldn't freak out about getting the right 
tags inside of our videos is my understanding. And the second thing was that videos shared outside of YouTube, recommended or not recommended, what's the quick answer to that? Does it hurt our videos to share them on other platforms and on blogs or does it actually help? It actually helps. Yeah. So I think to touch on those two points though, so let's address tags first and then we can go into the shares. So when it comes to the tags, yes, YouTube is confirming it is not as important, but I still think that they have their place. And like I said, with all the areas and metrics that YouTube provide, taking up those positive places of real estate, titles, descriptions, thumbnails, all the rest. But the most important thing is when somebody is putting something in the search bar and they're getting that relevant result, it helps, I think, more or less as a categorization versus these needs Hall of Fame as to whether or not it wins or not. And that's the difference. So just because you copied the number one video in search for that does not mean that you still met those same other more important metrics as for relation to the content as to based on the person's search, as well as the thumbnail interest and then title descriptions based on what that person is expecting to get when they hit enter on that search bar. So those things still rank more important versus just copying tags. So that strategy that people were doing of copying, it, it doesn't work. It never has. All right. Let's move on if you're cool with that, because we've got so much sure. more to cover. Sure. There's a lot of analytics updates that have happened. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just decide to focus in on the ones that you think we need to know? Because there's so much, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for sure. So when it comes to the analytics uh, side of YouTube, one important and cool thing that recently they saw and told us about is the fact that you're seeing that now on mobile. So sometimes you would go to desktop and you really only had everything that you needed there. But now we're seeing this come over to the mobile side. So a specific shelf on the bottom you'll see now for like the home or your overview, then you have your analytics and you have your comments and so on and helps with navigation. But when you get over to something like the analytics tab, you'll now see stuff where it's new returning users, things like that, that are really cool and neat and really important when you dive into that. And then it looks like there was something specifically about typical audience retention. We see this a lot on desktop, probably because I spent a little bit more time on desktop than on mobile. Mm -hmm. But how important in your opinion is typical audience retention and how do they even calculate that? Do you have a sense? Do they just look at the last 30 days or do they compare your video up against other people's videos? Like how are they getting that metric, which is typically that gray bar, right? Yeah. So for those that don't know, when you look at the analytics tab and you're looking at that typical response based on your audience, that is based usually within the last 20 days, 30 days, essentially. You can change it to like 90 days and so forth, but you're still going to see that gray bar of the lowest point that your videos overall have done, the highest point that your overall videos have done to give you that range. And then you'll see a blue bar to see where you're currently trending for that actual video. So when you look at those overall metrics, you can kind of see where that video is playing versus others. Now, based on the people that are returning to the videos, it's a similar type of uh, behavior that you'll see where there's two lines of your people and then people that are new to your content as well. And I would imagine our goal is to try to beat the, the average, right? I mean, that's not yeah. really what we're up against. We're competing with ourselves here, right? Yeah. That, I haven't seen where they released where you're getting that data on other people. So it is important because you can see the video that your people aren't as interested in, whether they were new or returning to the channel and the stuff that really has made them engage and click more immediately versus those that kind of just continuously trail down over time. They also added this when your viewers are online card to mobile, which I guess was already on desktop. Why is that something we should consider looking at? What's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So this is really important. You'll see this about four, I think it's four shades of purple. The darker the color, the better it is. That lets you know when most of your viewers or very many of your viewers are online. Whereas if it gets very, very light, then you see that the least amount of your viewers are online at that point. And this is important because this is your people, the people that are actually subscribed to you when they're actually online. So if you're going to publish something or post content, you want to do it in those darker shaded areas. Those two latter purple ones, the deeper one, obviously is the best when it comes to posting your content because that's when they're online. Yeah. And I would imagine if you're going live, you might want to pick a time when they're more likely to be online as well, right? hundred percent. So when I established a live stream element to the channel, I specifically looked at that graph to see based on the day that I intended to go live, when are people already there uh, most of the time on the channel and then just set the schedule around that. And that honestly has worked really, really well. Okay. There are a ton of changes that have happened to YouTube. First is uh, the shorts green screen. Can you tell us what exactly the shorts green screen is? even though I don't think you've used it yet, or maybe you have, but what is it exactly? So on YouTube shorts, they're now making this more intuitive and similar to other social platforms like IG Reels, you'll see this, as well as TikTok, you'll see this, where essentially you can put a photo or even a video behind you and it automatically kind of cuts you out. You don't actually need a green screen, but that green screen feature will cut out you as long as you're within the viewing point of the camera. So if you point it up, then you'll only see the background. And this is just to like create a more dynamic way of making content on shorts. Uh, it's not something I've done specifically on YouTube shorts yet, but the way it works is essentially the same as like TikTok in that sense, which makes it have comparable features with those other vertical platforms. Got it. And then community posts are now available to more channels. So what's the change here and what does it mean to you? Yeah, this is really, really important, I think, for a lot of people, because if your channel didn't hit the thousand subscribers, 4,000 watch time at that point, when you hit that partner program, then you would get access to the community tab. Now they've lowered that barrier to entry where you only need to have 500 subscribers. And now because of that, that community tab becomes available. You can share on an Android phones. You can share, what is it, uh, carousel? So about, I think it's like eight to 10 different images that people can do. So you may already have content around that, videos, GIFs, stuff like that you can share. It's really, really neat. Is it only on Android or is it also on iPhone? The carousel portion is, was only, it's only currently right now on Android uh, that is supposed to come to iOS, but everyone on mobile, Android or iOS ha can have this at 500 plus subscribers. Sweet. And then the discussion tab is gone. First of all, what the heck is the discussion tab? Um, <laughs> maybe there's a reason it's going away. <laughs> yes. So it's going away because nobody's been using it. And so <laughs> the discussion tab predated the community tab where anyone, any channel essentially used to have that discussion tab where it's not until you would go to someone's home tab on your channel, you'd see like home videos, playlist and the like discussion was way down on the right hand side. And then you could kind of create like either like a mini blog post, some kind of a way to essentially drive conversation but this was not integrated into your feed. So asking people to go on desktop and then go all the way to the far right in the Eon space, nobody was doing that. And so community tab has worked better. So they're just getting rid of the discussion tab. Got it. And that's gone already or is it going away soon or what's your thoughts? I mean, it, it, do you know what happened to all that stuff? Is it just disappeared? I don't know if they have a specific date when it goes away, Got it. honestly, in remembering, but it's like, if it's gone, you just don't see it. That's one less thing kind of cluttering up the home tab. I've not even seen this on my channel in a long time. So I would imagine that it's going. So we announced uh, with you a while back 
that YouTube has automatically started adding chapters on videos that you do not have chapters on. Now, my understanding is somehow this impacts search. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yes. So this is really cool and really neat. Everybody really needs to dive into this one. And automatic channel chapters would be where at those specific key moments or important moments is another way of saying that, that you're specifically talking about something. So the part in this video where we're talking about the YouTube analytics and how it works, they may identify that as how YouTube analytics works. So now when you think about how this comes up in search on YouTube, this even comes up in Google uh, or even on the homepage, even on mobile, you will now have a, a shelf, if you will, underneath the video that you can expand and click to and go to that specific point. Uh, and so if you're not creating channel chapters, you should. I think it's better for you to create it instead of letting YouTube do it. Well, this is intriguing because I'm thinking about search, right? And I'm thinking how a lot of videos, especially longer videos like a live show, like this show, discuss lots of things that maybe might never get indexed in search because there's so many other things in the video. But now that they're indexing, if you will, the metadata automatically, that could mean a section of your video could show up in search 100%. without doing a darn thing. So 100%. I guess we would see that in our analytics because we'd see like this weird spike at a certain point. Is that right? Mm -hmm. How do we even know if we're getting that kind of traffic? Have you ever seen something like that? Yes. Yeah, so myself, as well as clients, we've seen where your specific relevant point, the key moment or that part in the channel chapter comes up in the Google search, as well as on YouTube. When somebody's clicking on that, that now that spike is happening there because whether somebody skipped or they're starting there, you're now seeing an increased audience retention at that point. So when you look at your audience retention graph, you should be seeing where you either have channel chapters or where channel chapters are marked. And then you can specifically know more people are interested starting at these points, maybe versus other ones and curate your content accordingly. It's fascinating because I wonder if they'll eventually break out in a separate tab, if you will, like to help us know which videos are, are doing this, because it's probably not easy to figure it out unless you look at a bunch of your videos. Am I right? Like, how do you know which sections of which videos are being recommended unless you're in there all the time looking at there isn't really an easy way to do that, is there? Well, honestly, there is. They're doing some new initiatives. You'll always see like these surveys. I'm starting to see, and I've seen on my channel anyway, where if you click on like the analytics, they'll tell you specific key moments where it's those like four indicators, four or five areas oh. from the intro, the spikes, the dips, continuous segments, and things that didn't do as well. Yeah, but you have to go through each video one at a time to see that though, right? No, it's group. Oh, really? It's group oh, for okay, you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so the key moments, the area, they will have this... I'm seeing this again. More people should see it. By the time I usually see it, it's there. Yeah. It's public. So if you look, you'll see where it's saying it's grouped like these three videos, three, four videos or five or six even had uh, spikes at these points. And then it's uh, the list on the left hand side. The right hand side is the video with that specific audience retention graph and where that point is. OK, there's something called new to you. What the heck is that? It sounds like it's like something you might not have thought to look at, but I don't know. What is it and how is it any different than what YouTube has always done? So I really like this. I've been using this more and more. The new to you section is they know that people aren't really looking at that explore tab or the trending tab that much just for regular random videos that get a ton of likes and views. But you will watch from people and that tab that you're seeing mostly on mobile is where it's specifically based on your history, your interest levels, things that you engage with. 
if you like this kind of a person that talks about smartphone technology, this other creator has a very similar teaching style or covers same content. You may like this one also. So it's specifically curated for that viewer based on your history, your watch and your engagement. So how's that any different than what you see when you come on the homepage? Because isn't everything always custom curated for you? Or is this just like, hey, want to go a little deeper, look for something new? Is it, is it kind of like something like that? Yeah, it is. But I think it's going to get more people's attention specifically because it's not as distracting on mobile when you're looking at that for you, because it's something that you essentially you think that it's for you. Most people still think the homepage of YouTube is just whatever they want to push. They don't think that it's curated content and they will do some exploration there. But I think the for you is really getting people's attention because it's addressing them specifically on the stuff that they like. And I would imagine it's channels you're not following, right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the TikTok tab. I can't remember. They've got the for you. It's kind of like the same name. I think <laughs> it's like for yeah, you. Exactly. Folks, YouTube is constantly evolving. I mean, I was listening in preparation for the show, the gal who works for the recommendation engine, there was a question of how often does the algorithm change? It seems like it changes every August. And they actually said, actually it changes hundreds of times constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. And we are in a, state, if you will, right now where YouTube is just evolving, right? Because they've got competition with TikTok. They've got competition with Facebook. Everybody seems to be going all in on video. And as marketers or entrepreneurs, it can get a little scary. It can be a little confusing. That's why so many people have decided to come to social media marketing world and have been coming for years because when they attend, they get a chance to be around a lot of other marketers just like them and meet amazing people like Diana who can demystify what's going on in the world of YouTube. So we really encourage you all to get your ticket by visiting socialmediamarketing.world. And if you want to continue your education, Diana, your podcast is called Video Simplified. Mm -hmm. And my other show is called the Social Media Marketing Podcast. So add both of us to your listening lineup, especially for those of you that are watching that listen to podcasts. And by the way, for those of you that are watching live, you may not know that this is a podcast. It's called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. So if you can't watch us every week live, you can listen to the podcast. And for those that are listening to the podcast, you probably had no idea that we stream live. <laughs> and we stream <laughs> live to YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, but go to YouTube to find them all. Diana, if people want to reach out to you or connect with you, where do you want to send them? You can go to dianagladney.com. And if you are ever on YouTube and just put my name in the search and I will show up. All right, everybody. Uh, until next time, may you be wise with your marketing decisions. Talk to you all next time. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.